your appreciation for these amazing moms this morning. I love it. I love it. Well, I have, my husband and I, we have three kiddos. Um, Nate, our son, is 21. Sis, or Jules, or Juliana, whatever you want to call her, she's 19. And then we thought, you know, four's great. We've got a boy, we've got a girl, four's perfect. And then the Lord made it very clear that we're not done, um, that there's one more seat at the table. And, um, and so we became foster parents, and um, we got a call. And the, the agency said, we have a six-month-old baby girl for you. And I remember when we were in the process of um, deciding the profile of the, the third child, um, my son and I were more like, hmm, maybe, maybe we should like get an elementary age. We, we have teenagers, we're too old for babies. And then my husband and daughter are like, let's just take whatever God gives. Like, let's just, we're fine. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about a baby. We're too old for a baby. And then of course, we get a call for a six-month-old baby girl. And of course, by the, at that time, we had teenagers. And so we have no diapers. We have no crib. We have nothing. And, um, but it was the sweetest phone call when we got a call to pick up our six-month-old baby girl. And we got to officially adopt her a couple years ago. She became an official Frank. And um, so, yeah, yeah. So Bailey Boo is our five-year-old. So we've got 21, 19, and Five, and we're having a blast. So uh, we're, we're up late at night talking about things our college kids wanting to talk about. And then we're up early in the morning um, getting hair ready for school and coloring and all the things. So it's super fun. But I do remember as I go back um, into 2001, 2003, I remember getting ready to leave the hospital with our first kiddos, our boy and our girl. And you know, I really loved the hospital stay. I, I did. I love people. I love the hustle and bustle. I love people coming to visit. I'm like, this is awesome. I think I got this mom thing down. This is so fun. Or like having a party at the hospital every, every hour on the hour. I love the nurses. And then they said, you know, Mrs. Frank, you're being discharged. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, you are not coming with us. No, you have to stay here. And I just remember, especially with our firstborn, I remember we have no license. We have no certificate. We have no diploma. We have no hours logged for training. And we most certainly don't have any prior experience. But you are telling us it's time to be discharged. All right, take that pack and play, take that little carrier and off we go to our house. And I remember I was so nervous but I was also so excited to begin this journey of being a mom. But today, if you're a mom, an auntie, a mentor, a teacher, or a friend, in whatever way you are impacting and influencing children or your children, you have a sacred calling and you have a sacred assignment. It's so massive. It's like, kingdom coming to earth kind of impact in the life of our children. You get to be their biggest prayer warrior. You get to be their loudest cheerleader. You get to be their most loyal listener. You get to be their most influential disciple maker. And you get to be their strongest example of kingdom living. 
you know, our homes, if you look with your natural sight and you look in this earthly horizontal realm, our homes are brick and mortar. But I wanna challenge us today on this journey to see it a bit differently and to maybe take a more vertical approach, maybe a more heavenly realm approach and see our homes as incubators and see our homes as a training ground and to see that we've been given the unique privilege to train our children's hands. And today, the good news is he chose you. He breathed life in your lungs. He entrusted your children to you. No one else has your children. You do. And it's our amazing get-to to mobilize missional motherhood. You know, I remember two scenes when I was pregnant. I didn't come from a very solid home. It was pretty toxic and chaotic and challenging. My husband came from an amazing home. So I locked eyes with my mother-in-law and I said, let's do that. Let's do whatever she did. Let's do that. And I do remember one night um, I had a dream and I said this last year, um, but I, I uh, I saw myself with a machete in a huge field and the grass was taller than me. And I was just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And I saw these little silhouettes dancing behind me. And it gave me a vision for motherhood, mobilizing missional motherhood. It gave me a vision. And what I saw wasn't a clear path goodness, my kids will tell you that. It wasn't a clear path, but it was clearer than the one that I inherited. And then later on, as our kids got older, I started to see another scene that was kind of taking me to my next season and stage of motherhood. And that was visualizing our kids walking across their graduation stages and looking at this idea of beginning with the end in mind. And what is it? What is it when they walk across that stage? What is it do we pray they possess? then we got to plant those things now. You reap what you sow. Plant them now. Plant now. Yes, plant now. You just saw a bunch of kids singing truth over their own lives. It was awesome. Plant now. God gave us our children and he entrusted them to us here on earth. And prayer that we pray all the time, Lord, show us what to plant in the soil of their hearts. And the Lord did take us to Matthew 7, 24. And realizing that this particular passage is a blueprint for parenting. This particular passage is a beautiful playbook. And so Matthew 7, what we see here is Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount at the Sea of Galilee. And it was a natural setting for this closing parable. You know, I love, love, love Jesus's parables. I love the gospels. I love reading about Jesus, seeing Jesus, his posture, what he's teaching, who he's teaching to. I love Jesus's parables. And I love how intentional he is to teach them by using everyday scenery that the listeners and followers could relate to. And he would bring eternal and heavenly teachings to life. And this is a perfect setting for this particular parable. The sand surrounding the lake was rock hard during the summer. And we all see that too. But a wise builder would dig down deep as far as 10 feet below the surface sand to the rock, knowing, this is key, knowing this was the only way to establish a foundation able to withstand winter flooding. Jesus's audience would have understood the example Jesus gave 
in the parable's surface meaning. Using this illustration on how to live and build one's life. So as we take a look at Matthew 7, it says this, therefore, that's an important word for this very reason, everyone, all people who hears these words of mine, those were his teachings of truth and obedience to these truths and puts them into practice or acts on them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, oh, that's such a good word. Yet, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice or does not act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash, or its collapse was great. So there's just a few things I want to pull out from this passage that are important for us to note. Number one, Jesus describes two builders. And I could imagine that day in that huge crowd, Jesus had some key audiences listening that day. I guarantee there, there was this idea to instruct the disciples. They were in the audience. This parable was to instruct the disciples, possibly to confront the religious leaders, and then third, to draw in those that were seeking. And we can only imagine that this wise builder had a plan, had to have a plan. This wise builder invested hard work. This wise builder had an expense to be able to build that way. There was probably an extra expense. This wise builder also, it took immense time, time in which the foundation required that level of investment. And the same is with us in building our homes and building our lives and building our families and building our children. And what I love too about this passage that Jesus describes with these builders, neither builder was without a storm. Neither builder was without a storm or a test. And I love this. And it's not if the rains come down and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against our home and our life. It's just a matter of when. And a lot of times it's a matter of how often. <laughs> Let's be real. And then the solid rock that had already been provided and brought stability and security and hope was Jesus. It is Jesus. And it was by Jesus Building our lives on him is the only firm foundation. Constructing our lives according to his blueprint, his word and his way, builds a home and builds a life. So as we aim today, let's just think about beginning with the end in mind. What's the end game? Well, the end game is we want our kids to love and follow Jesus. That's the end game. But there's a path to get there. And so as we aim towards Matthew 7 target, a Matthew 7 target, and we aim towards that, that firm foundation as our vision for our home and our children's lives to set out with purpose, on purpose, to create a culture in our homes of building our lives on a firm foundation. We're gonna take a look real quick at five ways that we can create a culture building our families on the foundation of Jesus, a firm and unwavering foundation. And it's this notion of mobilizing missional motherhood 
as well as mobilizing missional families. So the first way that we can build on a firm foundation is seeing motherhood through the eyes of transformation versus transactional. Transformational versus transactional. It's not just telling our kiddos things, but it's telling our kids about Jesus, showing our kids Jesus through the gospels and living lives that display Jesus. And let me help you. This helps me. You will never, ever get it 100% perfectly, ever. But it's our aim. It's our aim to tell them, to show them, and to live it. It's our aim. I love Deuteronomy 6, 7. It says this, impress them, these teachings, these truths on your children. Rub them in, one of the references say. And it's so funny, real quick, commercial break. Our, our little girl, every night we pray, we kiss, we hug, we do Bible stories, we sing, we do all the things. It's a long process to get her to bed. Every, I should say goodnight to everybody whoever's in the house. If you're there visiting, you need to come up and say goodnight too. It's a, it's a long process. But I remember, you know, we all kiss her goodnight. And one night she's like, I'm like, oh, we just kissed you. Why are you, rub- why are you wiping it off? And she said, no, I'm rubbing them in. And I was like, that's good, girl. Rubbing them in. So impress these truths on your children. Rub them in your kids. Talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Today's version, at the dinner table, in the carpool line, in the morning, at bedtime, at the grocery, running errands, picking them up from practice, using everyday life stuff to point them to Jesus and to build on a firm foundation. These are sacred rhythms. Tell them, show them the goodness of God, the grace of God, the generosity of God. Talk about being grateful and expose your children to the kingdom of God. Involve them, invite them. Take advantage of space and time to have spiritual conversations. And oftentimes they don't start out as spiritual conversations. My kids will tell you, Kat's like, you know, you could probably put the brakes off a little bit. Like I'm always intentional, you know. And Kat's like, let's just, let's just have chips and salsa. I mean, let's see what questions arise, what conversations arise. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. God's got this, okay. And so I, I, he helps me. He, he's my calm, I love him. Um, but talk about them over chips and salsa. Talk about them over the fire. And s'mores. Talk about them over cornhole and playing cards. Well, you know, one night I remember our kids used to share a room. They were probably eight and 10 at this time and they had bunk beds. And one night we were having our prayer time, worship time, all the things before bed. And I remember we were asking the kids, how can we pray for you this week? And I remember our son saying, you know, his life verse, Joshua 1, 9. And and the sissies is First Thessalonians 5.12. And, and so I remember him saying, you know, you can pray for me. I'm a little nervous and scared because I have to start kid pitch this week. Ooh, yeah, that's rough, buddy. And I'm like, kid pitch, that's scary. And he was really concerned and scared to do kid pitch because he thought they're going to hit me. They're going to hit me with the ball. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. And so we were talking about that. And all of a sudden, like a white ball off in his head. And he was like, I have an idea. So he gets off the bunk bed. He runs downstairs. He goes to the garage. He gets his bat. He gets a black Sharpie. He comes back up and he says, I have an idea. He's probably 10 at this time. 
I have an idea. What if I put Joshua 1.9 on my bat? And it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And he said, how about I put Joshua 1.9 on my bat so that way when I'm up the plate, I'll just remember that and be strong, courageous. And then he put it on his cleats and then he put it in his helmet. And, and then Sissy got in on it. And Sissy said, I'm gonna put Juliana on the bat too. So don't forget about be strong, courageous. And remember your sister's got your back. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. She's our fighter. I love it. She's always got our backs. So sweet. So the second way to build a firm foundation is being intentional versus being perfect. The enemy is mean, ladies, and you know it. As soon as you wake up in the morning, he is at your head ready to harass. We'll never, we're never enough horizontal stuff. We're never enough. I meet with moms and ladies all the time. I'm not this enough, not this enough, not this enough. I'm not perfect yet, but that's not the aim. The aim's intention, being intentional. That's the aim. Psalm 39, four and five says this. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Let's be intentional with the days that we've been given. It is futile to think perfection. It is freeing to think intentionality. By the time our, I did some math. I'm not a numbers person, but I did some math. So I could be wrong, just maybe help me out. But by the time our children are 18 years old, remember that vision of walking across the graduation stage? By the time our kids are 18, we will have been gifted 157,680 hours with them. So you're like, oh, <laughs> it goes so fast. It goes so fast. It's about being intentional with those hours. And this is just a good little intentional foundational framework. Um, you've heard it before with Jesus, making that a prayer as a family. God, help us to point our children to Jesus through your word, worship, and prayer. In community, as a family, God, help us to be in community and have a community that encourages and strengthens and moves us deeper in our faith. That's huge. Listen to this. You are not the only voice in your child's life. Praise God we're not the only voices. You're not the only voice in their life. Pray intently for those people that will come and join their path. Pray for their coaches. Pray for their teachers. Pray for their small group leaders. Pray for other families to walk with your kids. In this room are people that have walked with our kids. I'm grateful. Our children, pray for their mentors. Our children, today have amazing adults in their lives. And that's so important. And the third intentional foundational framework is on mission with Jesus and community on mission, on mission as a family. God, help us to be on mission and be intentional with where you have placed our family, the schools we are in, the sports teams we are on, in the neighborhood we live in, our homes, our lighthouses, our our, our homes are training grounds. They're a place of shelter, of rest, unconditional love, peace, laughter, and grace. That when they come home and the driveway's finally full of cars all being home, they plop down and put their feet up. We can't obtain perfection, but we can, with Jesus's help, live intentionally. The third way to build a firm foundation is to cultivate 
versus control. James 1, 2, and 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when everything Bear my image. Don't worry about your management of yours. That was a hard lesson, but one that really changed the trajectory for me. So it's a moment in motherhood where we allow the spirit to help us unpack survival patterns. We want to break cycles. Some of you are carrying on what you've been gifted as a mother. You loved the, the atmosphere that you were raised in, and you want to give it away. Some of us, we're, we, we are called to be cycle breakers and start new things for our family. Whatever it is, image bearing requires wholeness. And so help, he can help us unpack those survival patterns, help us unpack belief systems. Look at the check engine lights of our soul and allow the Lord to help us bear his image. It's dismantling the lies and myths that as moms, we have an image to uphold. No, we have an image to bear. Isn't that more freeing? <sighs> Makes me like, whew, good. Ask God to help you be the most faithful mom for your children. Lord, show us how to bear your image. Ephesians 3 says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The world, the enemy, and even ourselves can be disillusioned as mothers and as women that managing an image is what matters, but we all know that's just sand. Bearing his image is what we're made for, and in that, we will model that for our children. The fifth way to build, the final way, fifth way to build on a firm foundation is we are stewards versus owners. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight and your children's. Motherhood can feel like we're just managers sometimes. Details, a million details, a million things to pack, tasks, decisions, schedules, and weekly menus. Know what season you are in as a mom. Know what season you are in as a mom and steward your season. Steward your season. Being honest to say, this may not be the best season for this or that because it may dilute what our priorities are right now. And if Matthew 7, 24 is our aim and our target to build a firm foundation, it might mean we have to adjust those priorities a smidge to ensure that that's what's manifested in our homes and in our children's lives. But it's so important to steward our season. You know, this is my family. And I might get a little emotional. I'm doing good. I, I'm, I'm not going to kick. I'm not going to. It's liquid love. I'm fine. Um, but... We are in a season of immense change, immense change. That's our season. And when I look at this photo, I see a lot. I see an amazing guy called my hubby, who's the best dad in the world for our kids. I see a grown man that is pursuing his calling, just graduated and has an amazing soon to be lifelong teammate beside him. And he is beside her, she's a gift. 
I see a beautiful young lady that is pursuing her calling and chasing her dreams. I see a sweet baby that we get to yet pour into. We get to do it again. I see a grateful mom. I see a family that has had trials. I see a family that has had hardship. I see a, pa- a family that has endured pain. But I see a family that walks in joy. I see a family that has been, with God's help, been able to make a lot of memories and laugh. I, I, I see a family that has gotten to worship together in, ch- in church and serve our community together. But most importantly, I see a family that has been supported and loved by this beautiful church community. And we are forever grateful. In closing, I wanna share with you a legend of the faith. And this is the Ross family. Mr. Chuck Ross, really the Ross family modeled for Ked and I what mobilizing missional family looks like. This is Mr. Chuck and Miss Julie. They're ordinary folks. Miss Julie owns uh, Agape Fields. It's a flower farm. And Mr. Chuck owned a construction company. But what was different about Miss Julie and Mr. Chuck was they, they led a missional life as a family. And Ked and I had the opportunity to do multiple things with Mr. Chuck to serve kids in our community. But Mr. Chuck always modeled missional life. You couldn't be around Mr. Chuck without him talking about Jesus. He was huge into fellowship of Christian athletes. I mean, he, he's a construction guy, but he's a Jesus guy. And Miss Julie right by his side. And they made such an impact across Jessamine County. And Mr. Chuck just passed away. And we were able to go, my husband and son were able to go to his memorial service, his celebration of life. And as they're listening to story after story after story after story about Mr. Chuck and Miss Julie is there and loving on her, it really hit us. And it was interesting on his celebration of life flyer that they handed out to everybody, it was Matthew 7, 24 to 27. That was on the front page that he wanted everybody to know. It's about building your family and life on a firm foundation. We were forever impacted by the Ross family. They were huge examples to Ked and I. And so today, as we close, I pray today that we are encouraged. I pray we are strengthened. I pray our vision is a little sharper. Our hearts are a little more strengthened. Our hands feel a little more purpose. Our feet feel a little more fervor. And today, I want all of us to again, rally around and thank God for this sacred calling because it's the most impactful work we'll ever do. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you so much that we could sit at your table today and feast as a community. And Lord, I love this series, Whole Families. When whole families come together to gather and worship, it creates a whole church. And when a whole church comes to gather, it creates wholeness in our community. And God, I thank you for the work that you are doing right here, right now. Lord, we love you and we are grateful to be your children and we are grateful 
to be unleashed to carry your love to this world. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.